0: Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today.
1: Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Marianna Breitman. Today I'm sitting down with John Farragon to update everyone on COVID-19 for fall of 2023 in the United States. Welcome again, John.
2: Yeah, thanks, Marianne. Happy to be here again.
1: So, John, can you first tell us a little bit about what's happening with the COVID-19 vaccines for the fall?
2: Um, yeah, so sure, Mariana. So, so the FDA's um, this is the vaccine and um, related biological products advisory committee. Um, so this this committee meets um and, and they met actually this summer in June, uh, middle of June, to discuss and make recommendations for what SARS CoV-2 strain um should be in the updated COVID 19 vaccines that are going to be distributed in the fall um now so just so everybody's clear right now this is like the um uh kind of the beginning of september like this is the first week of september when we're recording this so just make sure that some of this could be in flux so it's important that you kind of take a look at the guidance and see what's out there um but but this 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 vrb PAC, this committee, they periodically, they convene in, in these open sessions and they discuss and they make recommendations to the selection of the strain um, that should be included in, in that fall vaccine. So at the at the, um, uh, the the FDA stated, basically that they anticipate assessing this, this evolution of SARS-CoV-2 at least annually, probably in sometime in the spring, summer, um, so that they can actually design a new vaccine for the fall. Um, of each year, so that people people can be protected for you know based on what's circulating in that um uh, at at that at that point. So that's really the most important thing is you know what's circulating now,
1: and what variant is circulating now in the u s? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so this has changed, right, Mariana? So I know, I know, you know. I you we know, and I talk sometimes, and this, you know, and this, and we email back and forth. And some of this has, has changed recently. Um, so the decision was basically to to include this XBB lineage, and and I want to make sure in, in June when they decided this XBB was was the vast majority of um uh, of of the. Of the variant that was actually out there and there's different numbers after each one but it was mostly XBB. Um, there have been some changes in what's circulating now and if you look at the cdc tracker recently most of that circulating virus is, is still versions or derivations of XBB. but there's this new variant called eg.5 uh, is also a big one that's starting to take over um, but remember also that all of these are, are also some derivation of omicron so i want to make sure everybody's clear that even the one I'm going to talk about, this BA2.86 and the EG5 and the XBB, these are all Omicron variants. So the fact that we've picked XBB you know, um as, as kind of the um as, as the the one that we hoped it was going to be still circulating in the fall. Um that's probably not going to be the case, but still it is an Omicron variant, which I think is important. So one additional variant that we'll talk about a little bit, it's got some people worried is this BA. 2- 2.2.86. So while well, this there's not a lot known at this point, there have been reported cases as of late August in Denmark, um, South Africa, Israel, United States, and the United Kingdom. And I'm sure those numbers have actually probably increased since um, uh, since the last uh, CDC update that's on their website. Um, one of the cases in the United States was actually a person that was actually detected through the CDC's traveler-based genomic surveillance. That's a program that they have out there. Now, everybody should also remember that we're not doing anywhere near the the, the amount of genomic um, surveillance and sequencing that we did even, even two years, you know, a year or two ago, right? We're not doing that as much because, you know, because the you know, the, you know the, the the COVID, you know, there's treatments now, things are a lot different. But the identification of these cases in multiple geographies is really evidence that this is probably some degree of international transmission as well. And while the hospitalizations have been up by about 20% since late August, this is not likely driven by this new variant, this 2.86. It's probably probably this, um, this EG.5. Um, so the effect of this new variant on transmission disease, I think, is really difficult to predict. But what's interesting about this BA286 is that it has a number of additional mutations compared to some of the previously detected Omicron variants. So specifically, if you look at the genetic sequences of the BA286, um, it has changes that represent over 30 amino acid differences compared to the BA2 uh, which was the dominant omicron lineage in early 2022. So this ba uh, 286 2, um, also has over 35 amino acid changes compared with the more recently circulating xbb.1.5 which was dominant through, through most of 2023 and really that XB variant XBB variant is what we're making the, the vaccine for for the fall. So this large number of mutations raises some worry that they may risk escape. From some of the vaccines and existing immunity that may be that may be higher. So, so that's really always a concern when a new variant comes out. What's it's what's it going to do to the vaccines that are currently there? And how well will how well will those um vaccines that are currently out there, how well will they work against these different these different variants? And that's really the big concern. So another big question, which I think is what about treatments? And right now I think if you look at um the the Paxovid um uh, Vicluri, uh in uh, 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 Lagevrio, these will all should all be effective against variants, and, and diagnostic tests also should still be effective using some of the antigen based tests. So, so key points here: um, XBB was circulating. That's what they picked for the vaccine. Derivations of of that of that Omicron variant are this eg.5 and then there's this more concerning one that has a lot more mutations this ba2.86 at this point we you know we really do feel that likely there's going to be some protection um uh against uh, against uh all all three of these variants hopefully uh we'll, we'll know more soon
1: so what did this committee decide
2: yeah, so I've kind of alluded to this already but really they really expect this expect to express this preference for this xbb.1.5 for the fall vaccine um but the the committee also um was informed of some of the manufacturing timelines and hopefully um you know again this is early September hopefully by the end of this month or early October these new um these new uh, uh, vaccines will will be out but again just remember that the omicron variant at xbb.1.5 which is where they really chose that to be the candidate vaccine that's not the major circulating variant right now in the United States it is actually this um the CG.5 with you know some small numbers of cases of BA2.86 so we have to really kind of watch watch this but based on a totally of evidence that the FDA has really told the manufacturers to do this XPB one5 version and hopefully that will be effective against um e g dot five and also the, the b a two eight two eight six now the reason why I say that is because these are also Omicron lineages. so we don't have a new you know a new um uh Roman Roman uh, uh name for for a Roman alphabet name for 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 a new variant. It's still these are still from the direct lineage of omicron from um uh from from last year. So we'll have to see what actually what actually happens.
1: And what does the u s. data look like?
2: Yeah, so by several measure, measures, including escape from antibody neutralization and waning protection, the currently available bivalent COVID 19, the original, plus the Omicron BA4, BA5, appear to be less effective against the currently circulating variant. So, so, to be clear, now this is the one that, that this is the bivalent that most of us got probably last fall, and they still have some of that left. So, that circulating one, which is which is half of the, um, the original strain of the virus and half BA4.5, um, that appears to be less effective against the currently circulating variants, but for example, this XBB lineage, um, uh, than against some of the previous strains of the virus. So the totality of available evidence suggests that the monovalent, so this is basically just going to be the XBB lineage vaccine, is really what's warranted for 2023, based on the data they had in June. Now there could be, you know, you know, I, this is all made up, but I mean, you you know, you don't know. Maybe there'll be another vaccine for the for the spring. I don't, I don't really know. I don't think they'll do that, but I mean, I think we'll just have to see how this all works, how this pans out and what that, that BA 2.86 actually looks like, you know, moving forward as far as immunity.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the current vaccine guidelines for adults and persons who are immunocompromised?
2: Yeah, so. Basically, um, most of us have probably received our first two doses, right? So that was their original, the original uh, doses that we got in the very, very beginning. We got, you know, you got Moderna or you got Pfizer for the vast majority of people. And then um, usually uh, most people got another booster dose of the monovalent Moderna or or Pfizer. Um, and then some people have gotten two doses, some people have gotten three. The bottom line is most people who are immunocompromised, quote unquote, probably have received Probably up to three extra doses on top of their original um uh, two two dose um uh, series that they got in the very very beginning, so anybody's you know compromised even if you know if you're due for that fifth vaccine right now, you may want to wait until you until the new one comes out this XBB um version comes out you know that's probably something that you can have a discussion with your physician with, but um but the bottom line here is that you know you have to have the at least the two originals and then to be to be updated. You have to have had at least one booster. Some people had two boosters, but if you compromise compromised um for, for the guidance, you probably should have received three, um, three different um monovalent um uh mono or at least at least two uh, uh boosters were monovalent, and then a the third one made was probably was probably your your bivalent boost that you actually got la- last fall. But you know, just know that those are all discussions for immunocompromised. It's all relative. Like if you're if you have HIV infection and your T cells are good, you, you may not be really considered immunocompromised. But if you're a new patient coming in, you don't have any T cells. You know th- that might be a big dis- different decision, and you know transplants, etc. Oncology patients all are going to be looked at a little bit differently as far as these t- guidelines go.
1: So, just to summarize, what is the bottom line for the fall?
2: Well, the bottom line for the fall, Marianne, is that. This XBB lineage is the one that's going to be circulating. It is a derivation of Omicron. There's no evidence to suggest that at this point that it's not going to be effective against the CG5 and also hopefully this two, this um this BA286 uh, variant that's out there. So I, I think for anybody who's actually considering getting a vaccine, you know, uh, in the future, in, in the next couple of months, and I, uh, you know, I think I would wait till the to the buy till the, till the, till the Monovalent XBB version comes out, and I think you know um, if you're if you're on the fence, I think it's a discussion to have with your provider. But I think most people probably will be receiving this shot um, as well as a flu shot. And then if you're over 65, you might even actually be getting a new a new vaccine, the RSV vaccine as well, which is now going to be available. So we'll have to see how you know how all well that pans out and 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 uh, as as the fall unfolds.
1: Let's also talk about changes to the COVID-19 guidelines. Have there been any major changes, and what do we need to know?
2: Yeah, so, um, Mariana, there's been two uh, changes. I think there was one in April, um, but there was there was another one in July. And there have been some major revisions to the guidelines, which I just kind of want to highlight. So in April, um, the FDA issued an, um, one of those emergency use authorizations, again, for um, this is called vilobelumab. This is another um, another monoclonal antibody. But this one actually is against uh, this, this C5A portion of of, uh, of, um, of um, the complement system. So C5A is part of the complement system. It's part of the innate immune, immune response um, that promotes inflammation in the body. And these high levels of C5A have been found in people with severe COVID. But the clinical trials so far of, of, of vilobelumab Uh, um, uh, in people with severe COVID uh, have been inconclusive. But the EUA does allow for this uh, vilobellumab to be used to start uh, to treat COVID-19 in hospitalized adults when it's administered within 48 hours of mechanical ventilation or this um, this ECMO. So a new section was added to the guidelines to discuss um, some of the available clinical data on the use of this drug. In um, uh, saying that there's just insufficient evidence to recommend it either for or against the use of this new MAP. So the nice thing about these guidelines is that they, they do have some recommendations, you know, it's for or against or or just insufficient evidence, and then this one is a case for insufficient evidence. Um, for some patients who are immunocompromised, um, they may have prolonged symptomatic COVID-19 with evidence of ongoing SARS-CoV-2 replication. And despite the fact that they've received antiviral therapy, some people still don't get better. And so, without definitive data, some of the panel members actually uh, added this section that that would that would use one or more of the following additional treatment options: so either a longer or an additional course of ritonavir boosted nermatrovir, which is Paxlovid, or longer and/or additional courses of remdesivir. I want to be very clear here, Marietta: these are for people that ha- are immunocompromised, prolonged symptomatic COVID nineteen, and if they still have ongoing. Um, evidence of replication, we, we may be able to either do a longer period of time for 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 Paxlovid or longer from Desapir, or even an additional course of these drugs if they've already stopped their drugs. So it's kind of a little bit different. But again, there's really no data on this. It's more it's more on just panel like what like, you know panel uh, members recommending this from a you know from an expert panel uh, uh, committee kind of perspective. Um, Paxova was also updated to reflect that it was also FDA-approved. So that actually happened in the last few months. Um, And then also there was a new new warning with calcium channel blockers this is the second most common drug class that's been associated with serious adverse reactions when co-administered with Paxlovid. So just be really careful. Calcium channel blockers; these are examples are amlodipine, for example. Um, that's a common one. Uh, diltiazem is another one. Verapamil, maybe once in a while you might see, but anybody that's on a calcium channel blocker, nifedipine is another one. Really want to be careful of some of the um, some of these some of these issues. And then there's also, the, they added a discussion of the drug-drug interactions um, for, for people who receive extended courses of, of boosted uh, uh, nirmatrovir. So, for example, if you're going on beyond five days, you might want to do something different. And those are there's some nice recommendations in the guidance for that. From Remdesivir was also uh, revised to reflect labeling changes. So this actually does come up with, with people who have clear, creatinine clearances or familiar filtration rates of less than 30. Um Including those on dialysis, the, that's now in the label for remdesivir that this is okay to do, um, to use in those patients. And that's a nice addition to the label and, and now in the guidelines. And then for, for people who are immunocompromised, the, the clinical trials that evaluated remdesivir, mallivir, and also the um, enrolled really a small number of patients who were immunocompromised. So some of the Large retrospective studies have have included those patients, and some of those um, some of those results have been added to the guidelines as well, in, in some of the discussion sections. So again, the really top line here is probably the um, the longer course potentially, if you want, without really any data. Um, but just you know, by expert opinion, um, the remdesivir uh, less than 30 mils is now added to the to the to the label. Um, Paxilvid being approved, FDA approved, and also some of the additional warnings around uh, calcium channel blockers are really really the big things that have been that have been kind of you know treatment related that are now added to the guidelines in addition to that new MAB, that C5A MAB.
1: As we begin to wrap up, can you review again how to protect ourselves from COVID-19? What do providers ultimately need to keep in mind?
2: Yeah, so this is something that we've talked about before, but obviously get your vaccines, um, including the one this fall. Stay home if you're sick. Get tested for COVID-19 if needed. Um, See treatment if you have COVID-19 or at high risk of getting very sick. If you choose to wear a mask, just make sure it's a high quality one that fits well over your nose and mouth. Uh, improve ventilation, and also wash your hands. I think these are all straightforward things, Mariana, that we've done for the last couple of years, but I think really need to be reminded of. Um, you know, I have seen more mask use, not mandated, but I have seen just being out, you know, out out. even at the hospital, more people are kind of wearing masks again. I don't know if that's gonna be, I don't think that'll be a mandate again, but just know that there is treatment available. You know, if you're trying to protect yourself, the masks do work, I think. Um, and clearly, you know, getting your getting your vaccine for the fall is gonna be really important.
1: John, thanks so much for joining us and telling us about some of the highlights of the new vaccine plan for COVID-19 for fall of 2023 and the updates to the COVID-19 guidelines that were recently released. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's wwwn ecaaet If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at Nikaatc.org. That's p-o-d-c-a-s-t at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.